I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, baseball preseason number two, basketball top 10, football top five, down there in Athens, Georgia, the lowly football school lonely, where they just punt on basketball and baseball season, their Super Bowl next week, and then it's just back to hibernation. For the Georgia Bulldogs faithful, Will Leach. <laughs> How are you, sir? Hey, they beat Bruce Pearl just last night. By the they way, they did. Beat I was Bruce there. Pearl. Yeah. I, and as a, as a, as a, uh, thank you for having me. As mm-hmm. a, as an Illini guy who remembers uh, when Bruce Pearl was the sh- very shady assistant to Dr. Tom Davis and got uh, Illinois unfairly suspended. Uh, get in trouble with the NCAA for two years when I was in middle school, and Bruce Pearl got banned from the sport after mm. that. Uh, anytime Bruce Pearl suffers, I'm happy. So, as a former Tennessee guy, do you guys still hate him? You guys still hate him? No, I think most Tennessee fans were. No, you I think should. most Tennessee fans were pretty upset that he got let go for yeah. why he got let go. I would say yeah. most. I mean, everyone's good with Rick Barnes. Like Rick Barnes has taken the. He's just the complete inverse. Yeah. Of, and that's how like hires go, right? You just right. go from one side of the the pendulum to the other. And they just, he's like the Mark Richt of Tennessee sports yeah, now yeah, where yeah, he's just that. nice and you're never really like, you, you don't ever feel like you're going to win a national title with Rick Barnes as your head coach, but you know, you're going to be good every year and you yeah. know that you're going to be likable. You know that your guys yeah. are going to be likable. Like a Lon Kruger. Yeah. Sort of guy. Yeah. 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 I get that. I get that. It's I nice. Get that. Yeah. yeah. And I then get you get to transition to Tony Vitello and the baseball team and just everyone in America hating you and wanting you to lose yeah. and just being uh, the villains of the sport. You know, I mean, being a Cardinals fan, the best fans in America, you know how, how it is when everyone wants your team to not do well. I, 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 I live in like a silo of Cardinals fans. Is that mm-hmm. a thing? Do people yeah. dislike us? I don't yeah, know why. I think so. I understand you don't like championships. It happens. <laughs> I understand. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So anyway, thank you for having me. But I'm I'm very, very pro uh, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Ba- I'm a season ticket holder for Georgia mm-hmm. basketball. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Mike White hire, and so I'm hopeful. Uh, it was awesome to see Bruce Pearl eat it. Well, we're uh, we're very. Uh, I mean, we got Danny White. His brother is mm-hmm. RAD. So mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. White family all over the southeast. So you know, we'll mm-hmm. see what happens when Georgia comes to. Knoxville this yeah, year. Yeah, well, this is first year. Let's not get carried away. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna get stopped in that game. But they beat Bruce Pearl, so that's okay. yeah. So you're happy. I mean, yeah. so how does this work for you, Will? Because your wife, obviously a Georgia person, mm. alum. You're an Illinois person, mm. alum. Your kids, like, are they more Illinois fans? Do you have more? Have you put more on that? Have you let them kind of pick between Illinois and Georgia? Do you think like what happens if you ever get like a Georgia Illinois national title game? How does that work for you? 
And how does it work for your kids? Yeah, well, that's never going to happen. So that's the advantage <laughs> that, that, that works out. Mm-hmm. I always joke that uh, if, if you ever get to a time where Illinois plays Georgia in like a bowl mm-hmm. game, Illinois has had this incredible season and everything has gone wrong for Georgia. So, yeah. um, and I would say, you know, we, we not only live in Athens, we are within, like my kid's school is right across the street from Georgia's athletic facility hmm. so like you like look i'll pick up my kids from school and i will hear kirby screaming expletives through a bullhorn as so they're dog fans practice. they're not they're way more dog fans than illinois fans. I, certainly in football like okay. football wise I, I was not going to uh i was not going to move to <laughs> athens and have the, this historic georgia football run and say i'm sorry guys we're watching illinois uh minnesota this afternoon here's juice and, williams again i don't <laughs> yeah. care that you don't want to watch juice williams <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly get excited john holosek i get really <laughs> pumped up uh so i would say but basketball wise uh, basketball was, I would say, we're definitely more of an Illinois basketball. I mm. think it's it's similar to the, as what the schools you would expect them to be. We still go to all the Georgia games, but uh, fortunately, the two schools are not really in the same league in each of the two sports. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I, I think that while Georgia was having this undefeated season, Illinois had like a very good football season this year. Mm. Uh, because of that, I think we were able to kind of enjoy both of them while knowing that there was no way their streams were actually going to cross. No. I mean, are you excited about the Luke Altmyer edition? I, I, I got to tell you, my, my Mississippi fans, I got people, I got a lot of my friends that are Mississippi mm. fans that wanted him over Dart. Mm. So like, yeah, they're, they, they, I think Dart has been a source of frustration for them as the season has gone along. So uh, yeah, I think that uh, my, one of my closest friends is a diehard Mississippi guy, and he is, he is excited about, uh, uh, about all my, uh, uh, Luke Allmeyer. But uh, we'll see. Uh, I, uh, to me, the nice thing is they have him for like two or three years, mm. as opposed to like bringing in the, whoever the transfer to the, and people talk about like a cultural fit, like how's a guy like Altmaier? fit in Illinois. I just watched Tommy DeVito play quarterback for like that guy is like the like that guy has never seen like a corn stalk in his mm. life. So to see him come to Champagne and thrive, I think it's going to be fine. So how do you organize your dick? So you're a season ticket holder and uh, for Georgia basketball. Are you a t- season ticket holder for football too? I am, though. I basically get on someone else's tickets because okay. it's like, like Packers tickets, right? You, I would have had yeah. to start 50 years ago. They have to wait 20 years. So I basically glommed on to a legacy. that. So I've got two tickets for, for Georgia football, and mm. we've got three on the floor for Georgia basketball, which is really remarkable because I don't really yeah. spend that much money for them. There's just not that much demand for Georgia basketball. That I, be. I don't have the Jack Nicholson seats, but mm. I have the Diane Cannon seats okay <laughs> probably the best way to think about that so uh so but yeah i would say that um i've seen to go for both and we're within walking distance of both sanford uh and segment so it works out pretty well well how do you watch what you want to watch on saturdays because if you're tailgating and like how yeah. does like if illinois is playing at noon and you're tailgating or georgia's playing at noon do you right. just dvr it and you watch it later how do you balance the two it really depends on the quality of the game and uh, I, my tailgate definitely knows that uh, at this point, that Illinois is going to be on. Uh, if uh, uh, it is very funny, there'll be like an awesome Alabama LSU game. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry, guys, but like <laughs> Illinois has Iowa, uh, and they're, they're going to score a total of eight points between mm-hmm. them. So uh, we please have to watch that. So, but yeah, I think that uh, you know, I'm. Listen, people have always asked, like, I, I, I co-host a Georgia podcast. You know, mm-hmm. I, I obviously I'm, I'm very in, I've been in Athens for almost 10 years now. So I'm obviously very connected around here. I write books that are based in Athens. Mm-hmm. But if Georgia ever plays Illinois, I'm rooting for Illinois. And like, like you're not, like Georgia's dead to me if mm-hmm. they play Illinois, to be as clear as possible. And my children, um, the, it's fine if they root for Georgia in that game, as long as they understand that uh, – um, to live in this, uh, they are going to have to be able to get a, a have gainful employment to mm-hmm. be able to pay for a place to live that is not the house that I pay for and mm-hmm. that they live in because they're going to be kicked out. 
I, I like it. Uh, do you think Illinois basketball is the best team in the Big Ten this year? No, no. no. I thought they were. To like, they, I mean, they've fallen apart. I, they lost yeah. Northwestern last night. And well, was, or Northwestern's like a top ten defense this yeah, year. Yeah, Illinois played like crap last night. Mm. It's, it's, it's falling apart. I, I, I was actually at their game uh, in the Garden where they beat Texas. And it, mm. it looked, I, I was, I was at the game in Vegas where they beat UCLA. And I was mm. just flying high. I felt like that. Like that it felt like he had, um, you know. Um, Underwood is obsessed with that Houston team that mm. beat them last year. He likes those long wings and all those. And that, that's basically what he wants to build. And that's what this team kind of is. And that's what they look like against Texas and UCLA. But it turns out that they don't like each other. And I think they don't like him. Mm. And so I think it's uh, whenever you see that rage stroke that uh, Underwood has the sidelines all the time, I think it's because Illinois is, uh, uh, I, I think it's not working. I'm very concerned. I'm actually a little worried they're not going to make the tournament if I'm being entirely honest. Really? Well, that's oh, why yeah. you got to expand as you'll make the tournament oh, yeah. under the 160. 64 team model you'd never have to worry again well exactly i, I can get eastern illinois that's my hometown in that too uh, go panthers if only there was a national invitational tournament that you could do <laughs> to I'm, i listen i've printed out a mm. cbi bracket before I'm, I'm not ashamed of that have you really oh yeah because i think because uh, i think uh well, not eastern but i think illinois state or southern illinois western illinois one of my local illinois teams i have a fondness for was huh. in the cbi a couple years ago so are you a bracket guy do you still do it every year Oh yeah, of course, of course. I still okay. do brackets. I'm, I'm, I am just as nerdy about this stuff as when I, as when I was doing on the back of a steno pad when I was okay. twelve. Like, there's no question about that. But you're, are you, you're definitely a scorebook person, right? Oh, for baseball no games. Question. I have okay. a, I have a, they, uh, CS Scoremaster leather yeah. bound. I'm, I'm always afraid they're not going to make them, so I have like fifty of them in my closet in case, really? in case they stop making them, and I will make sure to have them uh, to last me the rest of my life. I, in my important papers drawer, I've got like, like passports. Tax documents and scorebooks. So that that's a uh, if if the house was burning down, that would be one of the first things that I got. The children would be at least second. There you go. Um, that's funny. I I'm curious too because I I take notes like I have my notepad right here on everything I watch every day, sports related. Do you do you take notes like for your columns and stuff uh, throughout the week to no. no? So you watch all your sports stuff outside of baseball with no notes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I. I Try to even baseball. I keep score just as like it's not like I'm keeping score to be like oh well I have to make sure to make a note of this when I write about this later. Yeah, it, I, it, I've been keeping score since I was 17, so mm. it's it's not really a journalistic thing. Um, I would argue, you know, I, I write about movies a lot, and there's two school of thoughts about writing about movies. Uh, one people is you, you you're in the dark and you diligently yeah. take notes, and the other, and this is kind of my school. I'm very much of the um, uh, I'm very much of the you are experiencing this the way that the average consumer is experiencing, the average readers can experience, and so you should react accordingly. And I think mm. that, like, I think a lot of film critics and I think a lot of sports writers get so bogged down in the details. I a lot of sports writers and movie critics, I think, are writing for other sports writers and other movie critics rather mm. than people. <laughs> and I think they're writing to impress their peers or to show that they are smarter, innovative, or notice some detail that no one else noticed, as opposed to writing for like. You know the average human being that actually you want to have care about this stuff, and mm. so I I don't actually take a lot of notes. And uh, if there's like a stat, I, I'm not running a lot of straight game stories anyway. Mm. So uh, you know, I, it's not like I, if I need a stat, I can get to it. But generally speaking, I kind of feel like my career is more writing about what the experience of these games and these movies and these whatever I'm happy to be writing about feel like than necessarily. Uh, 
a particularly pedantic uh, look at uh, uh, detail-driven. Oh, Bill Barnwell does a great job, but I don't understand what he's right about like three quarters of the time. And yeah. uh, I know that hardcore football people do, which is why Bill Barnwell is great, and I and he's a mm. nice guy, and he's a good, he's a perfectly fluid, clean writer. But I, 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 I don't know what to do with all twenty-two tape, and I don't think most people know what to do with all twenty-two tape. So if I went in there and tried to pretend that I did, it would be to impress coaches or impress other uh sports writers and i don't think that's actually who we should be writing for interesting um so you're not really an outliner for any of your stories throughout the uh, week no only only my book i do outline uh, the novels i outline yeah. i outline very meticulously actually but uh but for my, my sport no with that question I, I sit down uh right my hero roger ebert was kind of mm. my hero growing up and he has a great line saying that the uh, uh inspiration visits during the act of creation not mm. before uh, which is to say, uh, just shut up and start writing something and see what happens. And uh, that's my general philosophy. Uh, is I listen. I watch a ton of sports. I read a ton. Uh, I, I read everything. I pay attention. Like I, I, I try to absorb as much as I can. Uh, and then I've got resources when I sit, once I sit down to write. But no, I'm definitely not. I, I, it takes the fun out of it for me. I like to. I like hmm. to. I don't know where this thing's going until I get there. And that's. Uh, and I can go back and fix it and make it look like that's where I meant. I was trying where I was trying to go all the time. But mm. I, I, I'm much more. I feel much more uh, being intuitive when I write than uh, than be too outlining. Uh, speaking of your two books, Red How Lucky, it's in here somewhere. Uh, very good book. Loved oh, how uh, love how lucky. Um, you. you have a new book coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the a time question. has come. Uh, uh, say it again. The time has the time come. has come. I thought you meant like it was already it already was coming out when <laughs> oh, you said no, that. No, I was no, like, no, no, wait, no, it, no. I didn't think no. so. I was like, wait. A I second. do hope that every time someone says the name of my book, though, they do it with that kind of sorority. Mm-hmm. The time has come, and then you're like, oh, what is it? It's like, oh, yeah. no, it's just it's just a book. It's just. That's funny. Yeah, that, that, that completely caught me off guard. Because I was like, oh, no, that, that was very embarrassing. I was like, oh, my God, I did not think that he was. Um, well, there you go. Uh, I, I'm curious, was it more difficult to write the first or the second for you? I would say it was harder to write uh, How Lucky Than the Time Has Come initially, if just because I wrote it on spec. You know, mm. like, like, you know, how lucky I'm fortunate enough that it did well enough that I got a two book deal after that. So now I have, mm. I, I have another book due after this one. And hopefully that will do enough, uh, do well enough to let me keep making them. But for how lucky I didn't even tell my agent I was writing it. Mm. Uh, I actually just wrote it entirely on my own in my spare time on spec. And then one day met him for dinner in New York and I printed it all out and handed it to him like it was the seventies. Mm. He's like, Oh, they, they, I, I was like, he's like, well, I'm glad you had your big dramatic moment, but now I gotta like slap this thing around all night. I was like, don't worry. I, I have it on Microsoft word. I can like send mm. it to you tomorrow. But, uh, I gave it to him. He didn't know I was writing. I was like, here, can you sell this? Can you do like, can we, I just want this thing to have an ISBN number, just get mm. it published. And he said, uh, and so he read it and said, I think we can do something with it. And and so that was more of a passion project. Not to say the new book is not something I care about less, but the new book, I knew it was going to be published when I sat down to write it, mm. uh, unless it was just a disaster. And so that allowed me to structure it and frankly be a little bit more strategic about where it was going and the things I wanted to say. So the, the How Lucky was kind of outlined. The Time mm. Has Come was very outlined. And so mm. I, I found it... Uh, uh, easier because I'd done a lot of the big grunt work before I actually sat down to start typing. And that changes, obviously. It changes as the story changes and edits and as you're writing it along. But I found it easier 
I don't like. It's fine. I've just all this, spending all this time talking about not like, wanting to outline my stories. For book writing, I find it very easy to. I find it very important to outline. If just because they're so huge, <laughs> they're yeah. so huge that like I can't remember what the hell I wrote at the beginning of this thing when mm-hmm. I'm at the end. That was like seven months ago, and so uh, you know I, I kind of feel like uh, I try to. I'm pretty diligent about outlining uh, line books. So that made the second one easier because it was mostly outlined. How much do you write a day for the book? Uh, I had a thing. It was hard because. I, you know, I have everything else that I write. Yeah. So for me, it's more, uh, when I'm working on the book, I tend to not do it in the same place that I work on, uh, uh, work on all of my other stuff. Hmm. I'll, write, I'll write my sports stuff or my movie stuff or my politics stuff, or my basically my journalism stuff uh, in the morning, in the early afternoon, at home on my regular desk. And then I like to go somewhere else, usually like a coffee shop. There's a great Jittery Joe's hmm. here in Athens uh, that, uh, that I like to go to and just put in the headphones in and try to... When it, when it really, what it really comes down to is your average book is about uh, the new book's about ninety five thousand words, but how lucky it was about seventy five thousand words, and hmm. I think of it at about seventy five eighty thousand words. So if you think about that, like you know, I the I'm gonna do one of these every two years. That basically means I have about nine months to write one. I start one in August and end in May. So you just start doing hmm. the math, and I don't think of as much as words a day as how much I got to get done a month. And how much hmm. I got to get done a month, uh, and, and and so I think whatever that comes down to, you know, five thousand, six thousand words a month, uh, that's that seems very reasonable to me. Uh, that doesn't strike me as too hard. You get on a roll, you can write six thousand words in a day if you get hmm. really if you get really rocking. Uh, you got to fix a lot afterwards. But uh, for me, it's 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 not so much how much I have to write a day because I'm already writing so many words a day hmm. anyway. It's how I can I can carve out my time to do that kind of writing, which I I, I would say is. Um, uh, more labor intensive. It's harder to write uh, because it's just every word's got to be pro- like if I'm writing a, a, a piece about you know a preview in the Dodgers season, like I want it to be well written, but like the audience is not going to care whether I I nail this metaphor or not. <laughs> mm. uh, you got to get it right for the, for the novel because you know it's a serious like smart people read these things. So mm. I gotta I gotta I gotta I gotta be ready. So it, it wears me out a little bit more to work on the book, but uh, mm. uh, I find it more rewarding if I'm being entirely honest. Being a film critic as well, Will, I'm I'm curious, like it, when you read it, how lucky and everyone should go check it out. Like I as I finished it, I was like, oh, this could be a movie. Do you ever think about that with your books? Because you're like, is there some sort of screenwriter brain that turns on as you're as you're writing these? I've never written a screenplay, but I would say just I watch. A, I mean, this is a terrible thing for a novelist to say, but I read a lot more movies than I watch a lot more movies than I do read books. Mm. I read a lot of books, but I watch a lot of movies. And so, how many b- movies do you watch a week? Uh, last year, last year, uh, oh, I actually just counted this because uh-huh. we did our, our end of the year podcast, the Grierson Leach movie podcast. I do. Mm. I saw 134 new movies last year. Wow. New movies. So movies that were released in 2022. So you're not going back and watching old movies. You're not watching things you've already seen. Oh, yeah. Seen. When, I, when I get a chance, I, that's, really, that's watching movies for pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I do try to do that. I don't know how many. I, I can't tell you how many I watched at the time. But I certainly saw 134 new movies wow. uh, last year. And so, uh, which is why I never, and the, people ask, like, how do you do that? Well, I never have any, I don't think I've watched, I watched like three TV shows last year. Mm. Everybody else is always telling me, oh, have you heard of this show? Have you seen this show? It's so great. I'm like, I have no, I have no time. I have to go watch Tar twice. 
So, you know, I think that, like, uh, uh, I never watch TV shows. It's really hard for me to watch TV shows. What were the three shows you watched last year? I watched uh, Better Call Saul. Yeah. I watched Better Things, which was the great, great FX show. Uh-huh. Uh, and I watched uh, Severance. Those are the okay. three shows. So, I mean, from all accounts, I saw the three right ones. Like, all three of those mm. are really, really good. But um, I, I, it's just hard to find time for it when you have so many movies to yeah. watch and, and so many TVs. But I would, so I would say, um, so I saw 134 yeah. uh, last year. And I would say, to answer the larger question, I would say, I think of things in terms of movies that I've loved more than I think of things of books that I love. Like mm. How Lucky How, Rear Window is one of my favorite movies. Mm. So there's clearly it's it's my Rear Window book. One of my favorite movies of all time is Robert Altman's Shortcuts. Mm. Uh, uh, um, a lot of people have, it's not available for streaming anymore, so most people have not seen it. But it's one of my mm. favorite movies of all time. Uh, it directly inspired Magnolia, uh, which is which is to say it's about a wide number of characters who you meet throughout their day, and then at the end of the day something big happens that connects them all together mm. uh uh this is my shortcuts uh hmm. my next book i'm uh i'm 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 it's kind of my before sunrise uh the uh link later movies uh, uh those so, are my favorite my, you know uh, it was crushing my wife was not into it like it was one of those when we first started dating i was yeah. like this is my favorite trilogy and i want to like no pressure but she like, wasn't into any of them we we didn't get through the rest of them. Oh, she wasn't goodness. into the first one, so we have oh, not gone oh, to goodness. before. I know people that bailed up. Yeah. I know people that love the first two and yeah. the third one. It's hard because the third one is less sweepingly romantic and less you know. And the, the third yeah. one's hard, like real life shit. Yes. So um, uh, so I know some people that love the first two and wobble on the third one. I was actually like that initially, and now I think the third one is just. Maybe, well, I think that that was always the, the plan. Like I looked at the third one, I'm like, what did y'all think was going to happen with these yeah. two people? Like, how did you think this? It's was a ending? bummer because you know last year would have been the time to do one. They said yeah. they didn't do it. it that's the, the on the seventy one eight year stretch they were on. Yeah. Uh, they didn't do one. I would still like to see them do one. Uh, do one more. They're both very busy right now. Yeah. Like, is showing up in in glass onion for crying out loud yeah. so so like you know i think that like uh but i would say when i think of ways to describe the books or i think more in movies and not in like i'm trying to make a movie but i've I, we're all inspired by things and mm. and for me the shortcuts is one of my favorite movies of all time and i always kind of wanted to write something that was that uh, uh, tried to evoke the emotions in other people. What shortcuts did with me, hmm. and so and I've read all those Raymond Carver stories. The, the shortcuts is based off Raymond Car- a, series, a bunch of Raymond Carver stories. So uh, certainly there's a literary aspect to it. But um, uh, I do often it is probably a fault of mine as a fiction writer is I tend to think more in concepts of movies. I I, I and some people think the the books feel cinematic. Hmm. Uh, I yeah. don't know I don't know whether that's true or not because I'm just writing it the way that I'm trying to describe. How lucky things. did i will yeah. say that's what it did feel like but uh but certainly my that's just probably just the way i think about telling stories hmm. as opposed to trying to like actually conjure up a movie or inspire someone to want to make a movie yeah i mean it's kind of um it, there's the stephen king element to me where it's just it's not written for screenplays but you're re- like it's very um i think y'all's writing is probably the most similar to me where I'll see like the, the short sentences, the it's quick, like you'll breeze through. It may yeah. seem like it's a lot of words and then you breeze through it. You're like, Oh, the dialogue works. And it's just, yeah. it's very um, easy to digest and read and get through. And you're like, wow, I've read a lot more of this book. It was less daunting than I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. I, think I, think some, I think there's, I think it's something, frankly, going back to our general, one thing, general thing we were talking about sports writing and movie criticism. Yeah. I would find, I would say most of my favorite books are also ones that don't feel like they were written for other, not, uh, other writers. 
writers and mm. other novelists. I do think I, I might if I have a general concept, I guess, for my whole career, I don't like silos. I don't mm. I don't like the idea that like you are this or you are this and you are writing for those people. You should be writing for like this theoretical reader in your that may exist only in your mind and may in fact only be you. Yeah. <laughs> but but I feel like you should write for that person, not for uh, oh, I hope you'll make this into a movie, or I hope yeah. I or, or I hope uh, uh, I hope the other people in my uh, in my in my writing class uh, all really admire this thing that I'm doing. Like I don't. It's I, I find it's uh, some of the insular communities. Like and then, like what this is gonna sound weird, but like one of the concepts of the new book, there's like there's seven major characters, mm. and one of the things I was one of the things I noticed when I read a lot of books. People that are really into books only know things from the book world. I always think of where the crawdads mm. sing. Uh, if, if you've read it, or uh, but like the main character like lives out in the yonder hinterlands, and eventually she gets a job, and the writer makes the job book writing. I'm like, sorry, there's like a whole other bunch of other jobs. There's a whole mm. bunch of other jobs out there, and so uh, my, the characters. I, this is gonna sound like a weird thing to say, but the characters in the new book don't read books mm-hmm. <laughs> i kind of explicitly wanted it to be about normal people not to say that like mm-hmm. people who read books are not normal i read books and I, I guess i'm kind of not normal but i i think generally speaking um uh, i think a lot of times people because particularly as people i see you see this in movies too as people watch movies less than they used to and mm-hmm. read books less than they used to there's this there's this instinct for writers or in movie filmmakers want to make where they're like oh we have to justify what's great about the book and great about the movie it's why like every oscar movie this year was about mm-hmm. the power of the movies <laughs> it's like that it makes me a little nervous that like like as someone that loves movies that there's so many movies that came out this year that were like what movies are great no please come back it makes mm-hmm. me worry about the extinction of movies and i yeah. feel like that that a little bit about books i feel like People like to write about the world of books. They don't really find that particularly interesting. So mm. uh, for me, it's a lot more fun to write about, uh, you know, normal people stuff. Yeah, I I had never really considered that. But I it's also interesting. I think it was like 50% of college graduates never read a book again after college. It's something crazy like that. Where I was, I showed my wife yeah. the stats where I'm like, it's... it. it it, I don't know if you run into this, but it's like, I, I never know who to talk to about books. <laughs> yeah. I just, my bookshelf is just so full of things that I'll never be able to talk to anybody about. And it's, I would always uh, get so excited when I meet somebody like, oh, you read that? Uh, That's amazing. I just assume I, you didn't read it. One thing I've learned now that I've been writing, <laughs> again, I, I, How Lucky came out two years ago. Like I had yeah. a book within for 10 years. And so one thing I've learned now that I'm kind of more integrated into the book world are the number of people in my life that are very close to me that I consider mm. very intelligent and very knowledgeable about the world. They're like, oh, I'm sure you're a book I, I just don't read books. Yeah. I just don't read books. And I'm like, why do you don't read books? Like, it's a weird thing to like have someone. Hey, and listen, well, I you're not that person, especially. It's like, I don't, yeah. I don't understand it. I've never understood it. And I, listen, I, I even understand like, like, listen, my dad doesn't read books, but my dad mm-hmm. didn't go to college. He was an electrician mm-hmm. and, he, and he, like, he just cares about sports. And, and that's fine. Like I, my dad's a smart guy, but he's not a educated college dude. Mm-hmm. And so I understand why it's weird for dad. He I, like I, the only way he's going to the only book about he's ever read are the ones that are, are audio. So when he's walking the dog. So he's he never listen. read your book. He's, 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 he's listened. He's listened to how lucky. Okay. He's listened to how lucky because he, but he just doesn't read, which is totally fine. Him, but he didn't do the sports one because you wrote the nonfiction stuff before that. Yeah, but it's just not really his bag. It's just yeah. books are, it's just not, it was Do just you fine. like that though, deep down a little bit? Because my dad reads all my stuff and listens to my stuff and it, well, I would be lying if I said it never affected me. Like I, it's every listen, day it affects me. I still feel like it's weird that I can text with my dad. <laughs> like dad should be like a little bit more distant and mm-hmm. a little bit more remote. It's weird that like, that I, I feel like, like one of the things that's collapsed in 
American society that over the last few years is we now can find out what our parents are thinking all the time. Yeah. And it's terrible. <laughs> I, I totally thought they were smarter than that. So uh, I would argue there's a part of that to it too. So, uh, uh, but uh, anyway, the point is, is that like, I have like friends that are like really smart that they're like, oh yeah, well, I heard the book did great. I was like, oh, did you read it? Like, oh, no, I just, I just don't read books. As yeah. the way that like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm allergic to hazelnut. <laughs> You know, like sorry, I, I just I I you know I'm uh, I'm lactose intolerant. I just are can't. You, I just can't. I can't. I don't read. Are you a person who subscribed to believe that reading a book is the same as listening to a book? Um, I don't think it's the same. But I'm such a snob about it. Where I, I will I, get so mad when people say I've read like 30 books this year and they're all audiobooks they read on the way to their morning the commute. Same. It's not yeah. the same. Mm-hmm. But I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> would probably be the best way to put it. Uh, I think there are so few people that are even kind of engaged in the world of books mm. that um, if you listen to an audiobook, I'll take it. I, it's not <laughs> the same. I actually listened to How Lucky. is a very mm. excellent uh, man named Graham Halstead who did a great, great mm. job of the audiobook of How Lucky. But it was very strange because I'm not yeah. used – like I write all the time and I'm not used to having people read my stuff back to me. I write, mm-hmm. stuff, I write, uh, I'm, I write for Medium and they have a feature on there for their, their premium writers where they will actually – it's like an AI thing where you mm. can listen to like a voice read your stuff. And first off, it makes me think everything I've written is just – freaking horrible and uh and secondly like listening to him i I actually was listening to how lucky on my runs Mm. uh during the pandemic and it was really weird because it didn't feel like my book at all (laughs) it didn't i felt like someone someone entirely else had written it until when i pick up the book i'm like oh yeah this is me i I so that kind of scares you that like people are getting a completely different uh, yeah but i don't know maybe maybe it's better he's a better performer like he's Mm. he's a really good performer he's uh he probably adds emotion to uh to some parts of the book that that i am maybe not good enough of a writer to to get across so i i it's but it's definitely different Mm. uh it's definitely a different experience uh and whatever Man, if it, whatever gets people to listen to to engage with the book, it, it to me is fine. Um, I thought about this with my career, like with um, just uh, being married now and thinking about kids and stuff, and you haven't too. Do you worry at all uh, your kids being writers or being and then looking to you to be like, hey, dad, can you guide us here? Do you do you deep down want them not to be writers? Oh, I not deep down. <laughs> I quite explicitly uh, do not want them to be writers. I'm not yeah. going to like discourage. I'm not going to be like, yeah. like I'm not going to be like the, the opposite. Of, I guess what our parents were to us. Uh, son, why do you want to get a uh, uh, like try to encourage them to be lawyers just yeah. because uh, uh, the opposite of me? I don't that really was a, why is that the thing the go to for parents like it, where my dad was like, oh, you like reading and writing like that's that's what you do. Just yeah. be a lawyer. And it's no wonder why yeah. there are so many miserable lawyers. <laughs> and like, I, I remember, here's a funny story. I went on a vacation uh, 10, no, 15 years ago to Argentina mm. with a girl I just started dating who was a lawyer and three other lawyers. And uh, and they all, of course, had, so they all flew premium. I had to go through Canada and mm. go through like four other things. But the point is they were all like in like their third or fourth year lawyers. And, th- and one of them, three of them were like, being a lawyer is the worst thing in the world i've lost my soul meanwhile their apartments by the way were like a billion times better than my yeah. apartment and then the fourth one was like yeah i mean yeah being a lawyer kind of sucks what i'm like so rich <laughs> like like <laughs> what, what, what did you guys think we were doing here and yeah. uh and i would say that he is still a lawyer and doing very very well for himself and i think that he there is i i would argue i would find a lot of the people that that are that become lawyers they do it uh, like a couple of these people. They went to like they went to school for something else, mm. and they finally hit the 
well, this is more practical than being in philosophy or more practical than being a journalist. But that's the absolute worst kind of person to be a lawyer. Yeah. Because they, because like, if you want to be a lawyer, you should be a lawyer. You can make a lot of money at it and do very well for yourself. But if you like want to do something else, you're going to hate being a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to hate being a lawyer. And it's, and, it, and it's very weird to me. I think it's something that really smart people end up doing because mm -hmm. they they don't know exactly what they want to do, but they know they have this vague sense of they're supposed to be successful. Mm. And so they kind of go into being a lawyer. And I think that's kind of ingrained itself into the culture a little bit. The mm. idea that like, that like, Oh, just go to law school. Like, yeah. go, like go to law school. You're smart. You could do it. And it's that kind of achievement based notion of education rather than, you know, actually learning something yeah. and finding out what you want to do and who you want to be. Uh, and so I think that is why that's generally happened. I, I know, I would put it this way: the lawyers that I know, that are uh, that are happy mm. realized very early on that the joy they will find in their life will come outside of their job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and if they, when they made that accept, once they recognized that and accepted that, they were like, "Oh, okay, so I'll probably, I'm, pro I'm probably not making the world a better place. <laughs> I'm yeah. probably not making the world a better place. But like, I'm gonna, my kids are gonna be able to go to college, and I can give a lot of money to charity, and I can spend time with my family, and I can be, I can, uh, I don't have to worry about money anymore. Yeah. And uh, and the, I'm, I didn't take that path, but mm -hmm. I know that if I would have become a lawyer, I would have been a lawyer for like two or three years." Mm. And I would have all the student debt to pay off and not have a lawyer job to do so. So what do you think you would be doing right now if you the writing oh, didn't work out? I would still be doing it. It's really, it would be the most pathetic thing in the world. I would still I would be the guy that like was still yelling about Do you remember uh, <laughs> the black table back in two thousand three was on the vanguard of mm. online journalism as I like write five sad listicles for like <laughs> For, for uh, with, uh, and like for the one place that's still doing slideshows, I'm like, mm -hmm. no, 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 we can still, we'll let, I'll, I'll rake Soderbergh movies for you, please. Like, I would still do it, man. Like, that, like that's the that's that's the curse, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that again, you know, we talked about this before we started, but like, you know, I've uh, I podcast, I do TV, and I do a whole bunch of other stuff, but like. You know, I, I if you, writers write, man, and this is this is the only thing I ever really wanted to do, and so people always ask like, what's the ultimate goal? Like this is this is it. I get to mm. write all day, every day. What more in the world would I possibly want? To people do? always want to get the growth conversation with you, and I've there was a really good podcast I was listening to with Trip Crosby who does these great um, YouTube videos like how to like what what you can't do if you're not a dog in real life, and all these different things that just created just hundreds of thousands of millions of views. And then they got so concerned with growth and yeah. like mapping out how you grow and mapping out what the future is that they just stopped making videos. And it's like one of those things where I push back on people because it makes me anxious where they're like, so where's the podcast going? Where's the writing going? And I'm like, that's not what that's it's just not how we should look at it. You like, know who talks I, like that? Lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> lawyers talk like that. Lawyers. It's all about growth. It's yeah. lawyers and like money dudes. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 that, that's fine. I'm not against money. Like, fine. Yeah. Do your thing. But like, that should not be imposed on right. people that have chosen different paths. Mm. And I understand that, like, you got to make a living. I yeah. work pretty hard to make a living. But like, the idea that everything is so, where's this going? Where's yes. This going? I hate where's that question going? so much. It's yeah. like like it's going somewhere. That, like, just like I, I I'm doing fine. Like, leave yeah. me alone. And 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 you know, and and I kind of feel it's it's a weird kind of. Like one of the reasons, you know, one of the reasons that uh, uh, I, I found it, and the kids, I've, now that I got kids, it's remarkable. My, my son, Wynn, who's eight, 
mm. has this friend who uh, my son is obsessed with Weird Al. Hmm. He's obsessed with Weird Al, and he has this friend who um, thinks that Weird Al sucks. <laughs> Not because he doesn't like his music. He has never heard mm. any of his songs. But his number, when you go to Spotify, the mm. number of regular listeners, or when you go to YouTube, the number of streams, the numbers aren't as high as there are for like the bullshit horrible stuff. Yeah. So he thinks that, mu- they, he thinks by definition, that must mean that Weird Al sucks. Oh, and no. that is the most depressing thing I can possibly imagine that we could give to our kids like yeah. i can't think of anything that would be worse than that so uh um, this is uh, why we can't like i don't know if we could be motivational speakers i tell people where it's like you can ne- you i never need to be sent back to my universities and like to talk about the future and everything else where i'm like no like there's a strong possibility that you're really good and you never make it or whatever making yeah. it actually means but like people might not read there's so much good shit out there just that, make shit just yeah. makes i can't say it any yeah. more clearly than that just make Shit. Maybe, yeah. maybe, just keep making stuff. Keep, it, it, like, listen, I am not a genius to any stretch of the imagination. I have no special talents. I just keep making things and making things and making mm. things and making things. And eventually, if you make enough things, people are like, okay, that's the guy that makes things. And right. I recognize that he's the guy that makes things. And they let me keep making more things. That's mm. the goal. Like, uh, like this. And is, stuff happens around it. Like, stuff yeah, happens. Yeah. Don't worry about the stuff. It will come to you. Like, if you just focus on just oh. the making stuff, other stuff will happen around that. And you'll be, and you'll be, make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons yes make sure you're doing it for the idea like i people are always saying like wow how do i like like uh i like i gotta impress like this comes back again to this original idea like uh people trying to impress other writers Mm. trying to like impress yourself like Mm. if you are if you are vaguely dissatisfied and feel like you need to do better or more that's good embrace Mm. that that's exactly what you should be doing that means you are being self-critical self-aware and being willing to push yourself but Mm. people but people are looking for all these external uh, vindications mm. and that's not what any of this any of this is supposed to be if you're a lawyer totally your bosses just do what they tell you to do you'll mm. keep making more money and you'll be fine but i, I think if you're in this sort of in, in a field like this you've got to do it for yourself you just have mm. to and uh um or you should have become a lawyer which is fine yeah. lots of smart people out there lots of uh, we certainly we certainly need more lawyers so uh that's what many are saying get some more many are saying uh, we'll end on this. Cardinals, um, feeling okay? Do you think they go back-to-back, or did they do enough? You in on the Contreras signing, or are you a little bit nervous about the Cubs and what they've done this offseason? I'm not worried about the Cubs. Um, okay. I, uh, I like the Contreras signing. <clears throat> I think they uh, – I think – I wish they would have got a I – I don't know if the – I understand why they didn't get another pitcher because mm. uh, Rodon that was too much, and you really, if you're not going to get like one of the top guys, don't get anybody. Mm. But um, I'm their pitching is – the Cardinals, for all the talk of – you know, Yachty and Pujols and everyone else, when their pitching is good, they win the division. When their pitching is not good, they don't. Mm. And uh, they, I th- I'm a little worried they're going to run out of pitchers. So that's my concern. But uh, I also think it helps that the Reds don't care. The Pirates don't care. The Cubs are doing vague nods to caring so their, so their fans uh, don't mm. abandon them like they sh- clearly should. Like, listen, I think Cubs fans are horrible people and are damned right. to hell. But, mm. like, they have been – they should be furious with that ownership. Mm. Uh, but, like, what they have, they have squandered something beautiful and something – Bullying that, works. John Henry's out here giving 11-year deals to uh, Rafael Devers after getting <laughs> yeah, booed. Exactly, at the, uh, exactly. Yeah, bullying works. Exactly. And, uh, um, like, I went to Wrigley for the first time since before the pandemic uh, mm. uh, this summer. 
like that place looks like a hotel. Like it's all like it. It doesn't feel like Wrigley anymore. The, the really? Sta- the stadium. <coughs> excuse me. The stadium feels like Wrigley. Once you're inside, it feels like Wrigley. Wrigleyville does not feel look like feel like hmm. Wrigleyville. It feels like Ballpark Village in St. Louis, which sucks. And it, yeah. or it feels like that the the Power and Light District in Kansas City. It feels generic and corporate and lame. Inside hmm. the stadium, Wrigley is still wonderful, but outside, like those guys are terrible. Like yeah. they've ruined something. They've ruined something for nothing. Thing other than uh, they're they're like the they're like uh, uh, corporate raiders that stripped out like the best part of a brand yep. and uh, it's really really terrible and then the Brewers I was I was hoping the Brewers were gonna trade uh, uh, start trade trade Barnes and uh, and start dropping off I, the, their their move for the other Contreras I thought was really smart and I think the Brewers are I think the Brewers are still the biggest challenge but uh, I'll take the Cardinals right now yeah I just. Uh, being a Braves guy, like Sean Murphy will be fine. Like it's one of those where you you bet on just who he is right now, and the Braves are going to maximize who he is right now, and yeah. Darno, and like they'll uh, trade off DHing and stuff like that. But like the the hot Contreras is an all star. Like Contreras' yeah. bat is legit, yeah. and if there's one organization in the in all Central that can figure it out catcher wise and turn him into a oh, yeah. developmental catcher, I tell Braves fan, I'm like, there's a really good chance that Murphy is not better than Contreras very soon. But the Braves were like, we can't really waste time bet yeah, gambling get, on which this I get, which i get but like, yeah it is frustrating that like the Bruce weren't even supposed to be a part of that trade yes. and they, they got they are could, could have potentially got the best player and really didn't give up they gave up that speedster that no one even really yeah. thinks is gonna grow up in a, a ruiz is gonna grow up in it much so mm-hmm. uh, i don't I, I i want the brewers listen this is what being a cardinal fan is right now is mm-hmm. enjoying that the rest of the division is bad and so just making sure you do enough to stay above that uh and so i was hoping the brewers were gonna make another fallback i I think the Brewers are still going to be pretty good. Do you think you're in the tier, though? Because it feels like the Braves, the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Padres are in their own tier. The Cardinals are not in that tier. Okay. The Cardinals don't have to be in that tier. I think if they had to be in that tier, if they were in the East or the West, they'd probably spend more, but they're not. Hmm. So I don't think they have to be. I think that I think that uh, um, their goal is to win the division and take their chances in the playoffs. Do you think they're done this winter? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Will, this has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of fun here. Uh, what can uh, the good folks check out from you across the internet this week? Uh, the best thing, uh, the best thing I've got going on is you can just check my newsletter. I have a free weekly newsletter, uh, mm-hmm. William F. Leach at uh, WilliamFLeach.substack.com. Uh, it's free; it just comes out every Saturday. It's got. But wouldn't it be more fun if you charged everybody for? It? No, I charge. Listen, I, I, you, you have to subscribe <laughs> to New York Magazine to read my stuff. Mm-hmm. You got to subscribe to like. I'm not, people are already got to pay for this. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to make them uh, pay for my Saturday music things about being a dad so mm. um so i think that uh, uh yeah so that, there's that and in the book uh, the time has come uh, yes. comes out uh, in in may and i'll be uh, i'll be littering all of your internet spaces with that. man you might get this a bunch where my pit where i'm like wait what the time already came like it, it, <laughs> yeah. that's gonna happen on your book tour like that's, uh, <laughs> that's okay. re- i handle that i handle that there you go will leach thank you so much for making the time today i greatly appreciate it and uh, we'll have to talk again soon of course my pleasure man keep the great work happy new year This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing. Mm-hmm. You're, um, 
pleasantness. You're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.